Hi, Jill. Hello. Hi. So, uh, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice, nice to meet you too. Nice to see you. Um, so why, why are we... Uh, what, what do you think you can help me with in this process? I can help you close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. So if you're in a space of grief and you want to get to a space of peace, that's my job, is to facilitate and guide you through that process. Okay, you have helped others before, right? Many, yes. Yes, cool. This is what I made my life around. I built my life around doing this for people and with people. That's great. This is like my joy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, what would you say is like the purpose of grief, of grieving? I would say the purpose of grieving is to find connection again. Okay. So what's what's really killing us basically is that our at our core, oneness is the truth of all of us. So it's not really possible to lose anything. But we are living in a time-space reality where that is absolutely an illusion which appears real. And we can only know connection if we know disconnection. So grief is an opportunity to find our connection. Okay. So in, in, in what way would you say I could find a connection with, uh, by grieving? You have to move through. Grief basically forces you to move through all the vegetable scale. So you begin in a state of powerlessness. Right? That's the problem. That's that shock of finding out that something that you love is now gone. That shock and that violent trauma, essentially, is a state of powerlessness. The farthest, most vibrational degree that you can get away from source energy, from vibrations like love and joy and connectivity. So... If you're standing in a platform of black, you can now have the opportunity to know white. Only you're standing in black. So the whole goal essentially is to bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Obviously, if you've lost someone, what you want is a sense of connection again. If you feel a sense of powerlessness, what you want is a sense of empowerment again. So what begins is this journey of closing the gap. Now, to close the gap, if you look at a gap like the vibrational scale, here you've got powerlessness, here you've got states of revenge, here you've got states of anger, here you've got states of pessimism, hope, optimism, joy, all the way up into the highest vibrational states. Now, to to really be able to go through grief, you have to allow yourself to go through all of those different levels and dimensions while closing the gap to the higher vibrational states. And once you get into those higher vibrational states is where you feel a sense of reconnection. That's where instead of feeling like they've, they've been lost to us or that something horribly traumatic has happened, we actually feel more of our connection with their true essence instead of the person that they really were in our temporary life. And also we see the benefits that that particular experience added to our life. That's like, that's where forgiveness is. Forgiveness, of course, has to come in in all cases of grief that's what we don't get so it seems funny like why would i have to forgive somebody for dying because you experienced a trauma when they did so 
So even if you're not blaming them specifically for the death, you are blaming something for causing you pain. So obviously forgiveness is a natural thing which will come out of the process of grief, but we can only reach forgiveness. We can't force forgiveness. We can only reach it when we get to a place in our life where we find approval for what happened. That's not the same as saying, wow, I'm really glad he died. In fact, because that made me so, you know, it makes me happy now. It's not saying that. What it's saying is without him dying, I couldn't have become what I am today. Without him dying, I would not have known all of these other things. My life would have been worse, ironically. So you see the event as a gift instead of as a trauma. Thus the trauma is transformed. So that's the process of grief and the value of grief. And so if you want to talk about really why, what's the purpose in grieving, the purpose in grieving is that transformational process whereby we actually become more of our true selves. We're able to see the full picture of reality more. I mean, look at, look at what grief does for people. If they allow themselves to really move through it and not suppress it, I mean, that's the difference between a person who decided to chuck everything and move to a different country and start a different life, one that actually suits them a lot better, and someone who stays in a nine-to-five job they absolutely hate it. It can be one of the greatest catalysts for our life. Yeah. Hmm. Like, like how, <clears throat> how would you say, uh, how would I go about, how would I, like... Is it is it accepting? Is that how you go about uh, start starting the starting like your process? I mean the process is there uh, anyway. However, I whatever I do, but uh, how what do you can mean I by accepting? What? What do you mean by accepting? No, I mean I have to accept that she's she's gone. She's not coming back. Yes, if you would if you would consider that acceptance, then yes. What most people mean when they say acceptance is that I'm gonna try to be okay with something when I'm not okay with it. So we should not even remotely attempt to convince ourselves that we're okay with something that we're not okay with. Mm. Yeah. But what we start with is reckoning, reconciling, being present with the absolute shock of their absence. We have to sink into the feeling of the lack of them. They call it dipping into the void. Yeah. And it's one of the worst feelings there can possibly be. Yeah. Which is part of why it's so crucial for us if we're in the grieving process to not do that alone. See, there's something healing. This is why, why grief brings people together. It's because there's something healing in presence itself. So when somebody is grieving and another person is with them, they're gifting their presence. And that's the, abs that's the exact opposite of that absence that you're dealing with. And so it's almost like somebody is holding your hand as you go into the void. Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I actually had a dream. I have to tell about the dream last, last night. I dreamt that, that it's, it's, it's um, this girl that I'm uh, sh uh, chatting with uh, on the internet. Um, I dreamt that she sent me a picture and she had like a uh, sleeveless uh, tank top and her tattoos was the tattoos of Charlotte. It was just, I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's, is it you or what, what's happening? 
And then suddenly I found myself like uh, just sitting beside her and then she transformed kind of to Charlotte and she was like just being being like friendly as like we used to and uh, uh, and then I uh, and then I saw myself as kind of like an onion and she was trying to tell me she peeled off all the layers and she told me uh, this is the feeling you're looking for and it's like you could pinpoint the feeling I knew exactly where it was like and she said this this is the feeling you have to sit with and that was the and I haven't like that that was the worst the worst of the worst yes. feeling like you <laughs> talked about that was incredibly like and I, I remember dreaming that I was just crying and being totally out of the yeah out of myself but it was a good dream it kind yes. of something happened something happened last night so that, that was good when we have pain that is delegated to the subconscious mind, which is so often the case when we have a serious trauma, but we have to progress with our lives anyways, the subconscious mind tries to find integration through dream time. So our dreams are a healing process, regardless of how awful they may seem. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think that she, she actually visited, or do you think that it was like subconscious my subconscious I think that particular dream was the subconscious okay but it is highly possible for our source consciousness essentially to be able to reactivate a thought form of her yeah and so she her personality structure can contact us in dream time okay interesting so me telling you that that particular dream was your subconscious shouldn't turn you off the idea that she can absolutely visit you. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I know. Cool. Uh, yeah, have you helped others, like clients? Have you helped other clients in grieving before? Oh, many. Grief is like one of the number one things that sends people to get therapy of any kind, whether it's traditional or non-traditional. So you're probably, if you become, you know, a recognized or advertised healer of any kind, you're looking at a period of about two weeks before you get your first client, and that's like maximum. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can, oh, yeah. you, can you tell a little bit about like what 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 happens uh, when you um, when you sit down with a client who's who's telling you that oh I'm I'm grieving or this and this happened. How do you proceed to help them? Or how can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> this is so difficult because it's always so incredibly individual. So what we would do is we'd start with where you are currently today. People are at different points in their healing process when they come to visit somebody like myself. Some people, it's just barely occurred, they're still in the shock phase or the numbness phase. Other people, they're super angry, you know. So it, it depends on the person who sits in front of me what that particular process is. So where would you say that you are? Uh, I don't know. Don't be I cerebral have... about it. I want you to be emotional about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so emotionally, what, what do you feel? I feel... Um... <clears throat> It's so up and down, you know, because sometimes, sometimes I can have like the best day, like last, like last day, uh, yesterday, 
I was I was filming uh, like like a TV show and and stuff like that and I was so happy and then I came home and I just started to cry you know <coughs> so it's so up, it's so up and down all the time so did you identify what it was about coming home that made you suddenly feel that way no no I'm not uh, no I don't know why why that was let's retrace our steps so you drive home right yeah yeah, I took the took the metro. Yeah. What were you feeling while you were on the metro? Uh, back then, I was happy. I think, yeah, I was happy. I so think. I, I, I think. I think. I listened to a song. Actually, I listened to a song. There we go. Yeah. So it's a trigger. Yeah, it triggered because it was. It's actually it was her playlist. <laughs> yeah, because I had a playlist made for her. Um, so I think that was it. That might have been today. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like it's, it's very up and down because that's where my pro process is right now. I think. That's also very common. Yeah. It's very common that random things will trigger you back the the grief because the grief wants you to actually be with it completely. It means we haven't through those emotions. We've been trying to feel better instead of sit with where we are. And that's, that's the major issue that we've got with grief, no matter where you are on the, on the world, is that if the average person comes to help you with your grief, they're going to say, dude, let's just go do something that makes us feel better. She wouldn't have wanted us to be upset. Mm. Right? Now, that's a problem. That means that that's going to be buried deep, and then you're gonna, it's going to take ten times longer to go through it. Like when, when it comes to grief, it's actually preferable that somebody lets their life fall apart. I mean, completely. And then once they move through those emotions, starts over. <laughs> okay. But most people can't do that, can they? Oh, they can. Most people say they can't. Okay, yeah. But let, let's, say you're, let's say you're a mother and you have to take care of your children or like, like uh, I mean, like a normal... How can you live a normal day and, and just... Well, first of all, would you like me to get into this issue? Yeah. What you're describing right now is the issue with the single family household. It's that you can't get sick or you can't grieve or you can't fill in the blank because there's no one there to pick up the pieces. This is not how human beings are supposed to be living. Like period, the end. We're supposed to be in communities where if one person is grieving there are other people there who are actually capable and not in the same emotional space so that they are able to do those types of things. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's society's issue that we have developed. Yes, I'm willing to face the fact that, that we, are, we have put ourselves in this incredibly difficult position, but we need to address, I mean, I, obviously for the sake of our understanding, we need to address the fact that that's not normal for a person to not be able to have a collapse. You know? Yeah, when you say the word collapse, it's just, it it, it frightens me. Like collapse, yeah, that's why most like, people run away from it. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. So, but, so you would encourage me actually to, to collapse, kind of? Yeah. Yeah. I would. And I would, I would encourage you to have someone present with you for that collapse. How how do you um... how do you collapse? Yeah, <laughs> how do you collapse? 
<laughs> Doesn't that just say it all about you? Yeah. <laughs> well, for starters, the next time you get into a state where you get triggered into that traumatic place, you fall apart. You don't try to feel better. You don't go inside and try to get something to eat to feel better or watch something that makes you feel better or try to think of things that make you feel better. You let yourself sink into the pain. It's what, it's what came to you in that, that dream where she's like, this is the, this is the thing you've got to be with. Hmm. So for people who are grieving, what that might look like is like, I mean, when you, when you get hit by that grief, that feeling that you felt, it, it knocks you to your knees. So literally fall to your knees. Like, spend time rolling around on the ground. Who cares how long? Don't brush your teeth tonight. What you find is if you're completely with those sensations, then you move through them and you actually move beyond them. But we can also, I've actually designed a process now <laughs> that you can actually use to integrate these painful emotions. What we find in every single case of grief, if you have lost something, is that you have lost yourself at some point, either through the birth process or in early childhood. And that is actually the loss that is continuing to mirror in these external circumstances that we think are actually causing our greatest grief. I did a video, which I want you to look up after we do this interview. Yeah. And it's called uh, The Holy Grail. Yeah. I want you to watch that video. Yeah, I will. Because I explain in that video a little bit what we're talking about here. That everything, all of our grief is actually just a reflection of the primary grief. Mm. Which is that we had to abandon ourselves to become physical humans. That the primary source of our wounding is the, the decision, essentially, to become separate individual beings. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, pretty cool. So. But I would like, I mean, it would be really fun for you and I to to use, like, an, one of your really painful periods to actually go back and recover what it's, what's the real issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you mean right now or when I come over there? I, I would like it better. If we were in person. Okay, yeah. Let's... I could do it like this. I mean, I could do it any time. But the thing is, is that if I had you here, then I could get you triggered. Meaning I could get you to the point where you're feeling the absolute grief and misery. And we could use that. It's weird because... Like right now, it's, it's hard to connect with that feeling. With that grief feeling. That's I think that's 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 a little weird because we're talking about it so like so normally or yeah you know and then suddenly something something triggers it again. That's always the case with trauma. Yeah. Hmm. What does your intuition say like right now to you about this this thing? What I'm. I think it has the potential to be amazing. Like, if you stick with it, it has the potential to be absolutely amazing because it's super raw and everybody relates to it. I mean, everybody's experienced trauma and so many people have experienced, like, lost trauma that it's unbelievable. And the reality is, is that most of us don't share that with each other. 
we try to hide it, we try to make it okay, we try to feel better and not let anybody into this grief process when the reality is this is what's happening behind closed doors. So, you know, bringing it out from behind closed doors into the public is like incredibly liberating, not just for yourself, but for all of society. Like, what if we made this an okay process? What if this didn't only happen in like psychology offices or with close friends behind closed doors? What if this, like the lid was just blown off of all of this? Then it gives permission to pe for people to be wherever they are. Besides, I mean, the number one thing we have to learn is that we got to be okay with where we are. And I don't mean like convince yourself you're okay with something that you're not okay with. I mean, you got to be present with whatever is true for you. So if we become brave enough to do that, then when we let other people see that that's really what it takes to heal from the super grief emotion so they're feeling, then look what you've just done for all of humanity. It's amazing. I mean, there's people are going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling they will too. Yeah, I hope so. But um, when, when people um, experience grief, for instance, or trauma, and don't uh, work with it, uh, and don't sit with that feeling, and don't be, uh, and they are not present with it, um, what's like, what's the, what's the You're thing stuck that for the rest happens? of your life. You're stuck. You're stuck, okay. That's what happens. If you don't move through your grief, if you don't face the grief, if you don't work with the grief, then you are absolutely in resistance to it. Now, what happens within the consciousness of a person is that it becomes like a skipping CD. Part of you may continue throughout the course of your life, and the other part of you doesn't come with you. So you've essentially lost an aspect of yourself. It's frozen in time. Now, the problem with that is that when some aspect of your consciousness is frozen in time, it's still subject to the law of attraction. So you will still manifest experiences in your life which mirror grief. So people who don't work through their grief are in fact the most at risk to create more grief. That's why you see patterns where people lose someone, then if they don't work through the grief, they lose someone else. Then they don't work through the grief, they lose someone else. So this does not just have like implication in terms of our emotional condition. doesn't mean that we're just going to feel like unhappy or feel stuck the rest of our life. It means we might quite literally continue to line up with loss over and over again. That means you lose your wife, then you lose your child, then you lose your friends, then you, I mean, it's just constant. I mean, when people don't do with their grief, grief follows people. It haunts them. Those families are the biggest suppressors. They tend to be the most strong families. They're the ones that are like, just grin and bear it. You got to deal with it. That's what life deals you. So the universe keeps giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to integrate the feeling. Dramatic enough? Yeah, very. <laughs> I saw your face. You were, you, were bit... you felt it. Yeah. Yeah. The same goes for victimization. See, if we've been victimized or we've been like put in that super powerless position and we don't deal with that emotion, we keep lining up with it. So, you know, the girl who sexually abuses a child keeps being raped. <laughs> Over and over. That's what happens. We don't understand it when we don't understand that it's our mind and our, our being that's actually creating the reality and the future that we're stepping into. So it doesn't make sense to us. Why Why us? Why does this keep happening to me over and over again? That's why. Hmm. It's a reflection of a mirrored wound. Yeah. 
so thank you so much for uh, you. taking the time. I will see you soon. Yes. We will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Bye. See you. Bye. See you.